Hello, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about two relationships. Now, the first relationship we're very familiar with, it is the relationship of a friend. Remember when my daughter was very young, uh, preschool age, and we were at a playground in Florida, just having a great time. And I remember her running over to us, all excited, and she said, I just made a new friend. And I remember my heart just being glad that at three or four years old, making a friend was just going and playing on the playground. And of course, what's the basis of that friendship? That person enjoyed all the same things she did. That person enjoyed sliding on the slide and swinging on the swings and playing in the sand. And oh, if friendships and relationships were that simple. The reality is they're not. They're complicated. And so we need wisdom in our relationships. Here at King's Cross, we've been looking for wisdom in the book of Proverbs for the last several weeks. At the beginning of that series, we were looking at it pretty much chapter by chapter. But here as we close out that series, we've been looking at a couple of different topics because they're mentioned throughout the book of Proverbs, and we just wanted to touch on them. Now, as we begin today, I want to let you know that we're looking at two kinds of relationships. Our relationship with friends and our relationship with those who are not advantaged as much as we are. In the scriptures, they're sometimes called the poor. Now, I think that these two relationships are important, not just because uh, they're the kind of things that we run into every day, but they're important because the relationships that the book of Proverbs talks a fair amount about. And so I want us to consider that today. Now, today it's unusual. I don't have one single text uh, that we are going to be looking at, but many. So let me just begin with our first text that we'll be looking at. And, uh, and then I'll pray for us. The first text we'll look at is one uh, that's in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 through 25. It says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go, or nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Not only is that good advice, but that is wisdom from God's Word. Let's pray as we look at this and these other passages that God will bless us as we study his word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for how good you are to us. And we pray that you will help us, even as we study your word, in your spirit, to teach us, to grow us, to encourage us, and to make us wise. And, O oh Spirit, I pray that you will use me and the words of my mouth to encourage those who watch and listen for their own good, for their growing up, to become more like Jesus, and for your glory we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this first passage that I looked at may seem like an odd one. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. But in reality, it's a perfect passage to talk about our first topic related to friendship. And that is having a discerning attitude about those that we're in a friendship with. I know this is something that we tell young people as they become adolescents and emerge into adulthood to watch out who your friends are. But it's important for all of us because regardless of our age, we're influenced by our friends. 
Now, in ages past, that was usually only people that you actually physically spent time with. But of course, now we're influenced by our friends that we may come in contact with only virtually. And that's why it's so important that we use wisdom as we think about who it is that we're allowing to influence us. Is it people given to anger? Are they wrathful people? You know, I love the way the scriptures say it, that when we listen and participate in these kinds of conversations and peoples, whether in person or online, it's like a snare. It traps us in that angry and wrathful way of thinking. But of course, when we think about friendships, we don't want to simply have friends who we have discerned are good friends to have. We want to find certain types of friends. Well, we want to find faithful friends, which the Proverbs teach us all about. In Proverbs 17, verse 17, for instance, it says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, I love that. And whenever I hear that, I think about all of the people that I've had in my life that have stuck with me through very difficult times, who have been there uh, when I would face challenges that I didn't know how I would overcome. In other words, when I had adversity, they showed themselves to be true friends, not only in their loyalty, but in their assistance, help, and encouragement. I like that. What kind of relationships or friends do we have? Are they friends that are going to be friends when the going gets tough? Or are they just friends when things are going well? Now, we all know that when everything is sunny and the birds are singing and everyone is happy, that friends are easier to find. It's different when sickness becomes an issue or fear becomes an issue or danger becomes an issue. That's where we make our truest friends and enjoy them. Now, as we listen to these characteristics, I know that you may be thinking, I, I have a friend like that, or I need a friend like that, but let's think about it this way. If this is wisdom about friendship, then it's wisdom about how we act in our friendships. Are we someone who loves at all times and who is born for adversity? I pray that each of us will uh, pray that we will become more and more steadfast, that even when the stuff hits the fan, that we will stick close and that we will always be true friends to those God has put us in relationship with. But of course, that's not uh, the only verse that talks about this characteristic. We also find in Proverbs 18, verse 24, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What a great reminder that it's not the number of friends you have, but the quality of the friends you have. You can have many, here it says many companions. You can have many companions and come to ruin. But how much more valuable having that kind of friend or being that kind of friend who will stick with it thick and thin. Uh, another passage that talks about this is Proverbs chapter 27, verse 10. It says, Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. I love that. 
because it's talking about people who live a great distance from one another. And it says instead of traveling that distance to your sibling's home, you know, take advantage of the home of those that you have made close relationships with. It says that that is someone that you can count on. Now, are we those kinds of people? During this whole pandemic, I think we have found a lot more out about who our true friends are, and we've probably found more out about what kind of friend we are. Well, we're the, are we the kind of friend who've been calling people to check in on them or just to keep them company or talk to them about nothing just to take our minds off of the limitations of our current situation? I think what, that's what these passages and this wisdom would apply about how to be a faithful friend in our current situation. But of course, there are different aspects of a friend than just being faithful. I think we all want and we want to be a friend who is generous. Now, in Proverbs 19, verse 6, uh, I love this passage. It says, Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. <laughs> now, I like that. That may sound like sort of friend payola, you know, that we have friends because we give people stuff. But the reality of this is this isn't saying do something uh, that's negative or underhanded. This is simply saying when someone is very generous, they tend to have a lot of those loyal, faithful friends around them. Why? Because we are drawn to, to generosity, aren't we? We're drawn to people who are open-handed and free with their time, uh, with their energy, with their gifts, and even their resources. And in case you think that that is just uh, the writer's way of giving a hint, hint to some of their wealthier friends, we need to remember that even Jesus said a very similar thing about people who follow him. Now, did he say, you know, hey, you know, be generous so that you have friends? Not exactly. But what he does say in Luke chapter 16, verse 9, is, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. You hear what Jesus is saying? That money, wealth, is something that has far less value than relationships. So use your wealth for the good of other people, and you will have a richer welcome uh, into your heavenly dwellings. Now, that's a good motivation to be an open-handed and generous friend, isn't it? And uh, I don't have to tell you to be attracted to people who are generous because we just are. Now, of course, there are other characteristics as well, and ones that maybe we don't think about. But of course, we want our friends not only to be faithful and to be generous, but we want them to be honest kinds of friends. Now, when I say honest, I don't mean they just don't lie. I mean, they tell us the truth about ourselves. For instance, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What does that mean? It means that it doesn't take uh, much affection or loyalty to flatter someone. I like that. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, it's easy to find people who are sycophantic 
who simply want to tell you what you want to hear. And again, this applies, whether in person or virtually online. But are those the kinds of friends we need? Well, Proverbs says that the wise person seeks friends who are going to be honest with them. Now, I kind of know there are a few of you probably watching or listening that are thinking, I, I definitely want to be that kind of friend for other people. I love telling people what's wrong with them. You know, the motivation for that could be friendship, but it could also just be judgmentalism. No, this is someone who loves someone enough, who sees someone they care about, and that are heading down a road that leads to trouble, and they love them enough to tell them. In other words, we need truthful friends. Now, the reality is, when we have a truthful friend, or we are a truthful friend, it doesn't always land. As a matter of fact, I would probably say it almost never lands the first time or at the moment that you tell your friend the truth. I mean, let's say it this way. Let's imagine a situation where you have a, a friend, you know, and they continue to have this self-destructive habit of quitting right when the going gets tough, right before the reward comes, maybe in their work or in their schoolwork. Now, you may tell that friend, hey, if you don't stop quitting, you're never going to amount to anything. And you may say it out of love because you care about them and their future. But the reality is that when you tell even this friend something of that nature, they're probably going to react poorly. They're going to resist it. I think this is one of the reasons we hesitate to tell the truth that our friends need to hear because we're afraid of the reaction. But I love what Proverbs says about this, is that we need to be a truthful friend who understands patience. You see, our words might be helpful eventually. Proverbs 28, verse 23 says, Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. What is that saying? It's saying when we're honest with people we care about, we trust in wisdom and in the work of God that they will eventually see why we spoke to them in that way. It will not probably be in the moment, but it will be eventually. And they will be thankful that someone's spoken to their life. I can think of many mentors that I've had in the past. And when they corrected me or told me something that I was doing that was heading down the wrong track, you know, I really bristled at it. I do not like being told what I'm doing wrong. But to be honest, when I look back, it was helpful. And it made me a better dad, a better husband, and a better pastor for the people that I lead even now. Well, so what kind of friend are we? Are we the kind of friend who's willing to put ourselves out there in that kind of let's call it mildly confrontational honesty. Well, that's the kind of friend uh, the Proverbs say that we both need to find and that we need to be. But of course, I don't want us to run out of time before I talk about this second relationship. Now, I'm pretty sure that this is a relationship most of us would just rather not think about or, or rather not have at all. And that's the relationship with those 
who have less than ourselves, those that the, the Proverbs call the poor. Now, I want to talk about why that relationship is important. I know that we're hesitant to go down this road because we understand how complex the relationship is when we start giving generosity and helping those who are less advantaged than ourselves with their, their problems. And there are all kinds of pitfalls. But I think most of us highlight those pitfalls simply so that we can have no relationship with those who are poorer than ourselves uh, you know, than we necessarily absolutely have to. So what does the Bible talk about uh, when it talks about our relationship with the poor? Now, first of all, it tells us something really profound, and that is that our relationship with those who are less advantaged than ourselves, the poor, shows something about how we understand our own nature. For instance, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31, we read, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Isn't that interesting? In other words, I tend to think that we think that our relationship with those who are less advantaged than ourselves is completely horizontal, that it is me and them. And so I see their need, and I take what I have, and I push it across that horizontal plane to them. But here in Proverbs 14.31, it reminds me that my relationship to those less advantaged than myself is not just horizontal, but it's vertical as well. It shows how my relationship with God is working. I like the way it said it. If we oppress, that means we uh, either directly oppress or we allow oppression to continue to those less advantaged than ourselves. When we have an opportunity to step in, it says that it insults the maker of that person who is poor. That means it insults God. And if we claim to be a follower of God, a follower of Jesus, a lover of God, then we certainly wouldn't want to insult him. Well, here the Proverbs is saying, then generosity to those less advantaged than ourselves is the appropriate response. Because our generosity says something about what we think about God himself. We honor him when we're generous. Secondly, not only does it reflect our relationship with God in terms of our relationship to the poor, but it also affects our relationship with God. And you say, really? How does it? Well, I'm just reading what the Bible says. In Proverbs 19, verse 17, it says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Now, that's interesting. I, I guarantee you 100% uh, from reading other passages, passages in Scripture, uh, the Lord never needs to take out a loan. You see, the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is infinite. Uh, in his wealth and in his riches. And so he doesn't need us to lend him anything. But here, the writer in the Proverbs, he uses this language to express this idea that whenever we give to the poor, we're investing in our relationship with God. And notice what he says, God will always repay. And that's why he uses this language of lending. Because, of course, if you lend money to someone who is honest and who has resources, they will repay it. 
That's why we find out even in today's world that the only people who can get uh, uh, usually loans are those who don't need them. Uh, I remember just recently reading a story about uh, some of the largest tech corporations in the United States taking out uh, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of new debt. And uh, I was like, why in the world would these, would these companies who ha are worth billions of dollars, why would they borrow money? And uh, a friend of mine said, well, the best time to borrow it uh, is when you don't need it. Now, I don't understand that. I don't understand that at all. I just read it, and I sort of chuckle about it. But what I do know is God doesn't need us to lend him anything. But he says it's essentially lending when we're generous to those who have less than ourselves. And so, in other words, it affects our relationship uh, with God. Secondly, we read in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13, that on the other end, the person who's not generous to the poor, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. I mean, that, that's heavy. I mean, that's heavy that if we're not generous to those who have less than ourselves, those that are in need, it says God won't hear us. Now, we know that in Christ, uh, God hears us and is with us. But this is there, this wisdom is there to explain to us how close to God's heart those that are needy are. And perhaps it's not so surprising to us because spiritually speaking, we are needy. You see, even though we might be blessed with stuff and material possessions, spiritually speaking, we have no resources at all. We are impoverished. We are utterly poor. And yet, God in his love and mercy, through the person and work of Jesus Christ, came and gave to us what we could not have attained. He gave us a right standing with God in Jesus Christ. He was generous when we were poor. And so perhaps that's why it says that when we don't reflect that character of generosity to those who are needy, that it shows we have not understood completely the generosity that God has shown to us, and it will inhibit our prayers. But I know that we're thinking, when we think about giving to the poor, those that look nice, maybe that look a lot like us, Maybe those that we would generally agree with or hang out with. But what about those who are less advantaged that we really are on the opposite side of the fence on? Those that really we don't like their opinions or views. Those people we would feel pretty justified about not being generous to. And yet, the Proverbs tell us that even if a person is our enemy, that we should give to them. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21 through 22, we read, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And now that is wisdom. 
And I know you might be thinking to yourself, I know I've heard that somewhere before. You've heard it uh, because the Apostle Paul quotes it in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. You can go there and look at it on your own. And there the Apostle Paul is giving broad instructions to the church in Rome how to live out the Christian life. He is talking about how to reflect the love of God through Christ and their community. And this is what it says. How do we do that? We help those who wouldn't lift a finger to help us. We help those we disagree with philosophically or theologically or programmatically or politically. Those that we would count an enemy, we help when they're in need. If we see them hungry, it says give them bread to eat. Is that our heart? I find too often that's not my heart. I have a hard enough time being generous uh, to people who look a lot like me. I have a very difficult time giving to people that I think will simply use those resources to continue bad habits or bad uh, philosophies or objectives. And yet we show Christ's likeness when we're generous uh, to people who don't deserve it. Which brings me really uh, to my last point. If we look back over at uh, out of Proverbs into Romans chapter 5, verse 10 to 11, we find out that God acted this way toward us. Listen to what this text says. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What is Paul saying? What is God saying to us through this passage is that we're the enemy. I know that we often think of the enemy as something completely outside of us and different than us and alien to us, but the reality is that before God himself, we're the enemy. And God loved us anyway. He loved us even though we were philosophically, theologically, politically, and in every other way, completely running on an antithetical course with God and his purposes. That's the reality of sin. And yet in his grace and love through Christ, he loved his enemies he gave to his enemies. And what did he give to his enemies? Not just a few dollars, not some bread or water or maybe a roof overhead for a little while. He gave his enemies his son, Jesus Christ. He gave his life. He gave his blood. He gave all that he had so that his enemies could have not a temporary good, but an eternal good. When this seeps down into our hearts and begins to stir within us, we cannot but open our hands to those who are indeed around us. Not because they will necessarily respond in faith and necessarily become a follower of Jesus, but because it's what people who have understood their true status as reconciled enemies, it's just what they do. 
And this is what the Bible talks about when it talks about wisdom and the relationship with the poor. Well, thank you so much for joining us here as we finished up our study of Proverbs. Uh, next week, uh, we will be beginning a study in the Gospels and looking at the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, but I appreciate you joining us this week, and I hope that it's been encouraging to you. As always, if you would like to be a part of the ministry of King's Cross Church, of course we welcome it. We're so thankful for the generosity of so many who have supported us, especially during uh, this time where we really haven't been able to fully launch our church. If you want to be a part of uh, this church through prayer or through giving, uh, you can just look at the information that's here on the screen, and uh, we would love to hear from you, and we're very thankful for uh, your gifts. Joining us, join us again next time we get together. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you, and thank you for your word. Help us to find and be those kinds of friends that are wise in their relationship. And, oh, Lord, I pray that you will continue to stir in our hearts a love for those who are unlike ourselves, that are disadvantaged, who are needy, and that we will be open-handed and generous with them. Continue to bless us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. And now, before you leave, I always like to leave with a blessing. So hear this blessing from God's Word. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give, and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.